Welcome in, welcome in. It's the D Cover Podcast coming to you week one of the NFL regular season. We're recording this Wednesday night. Uh, season opening up tomorrow night, right? Uh, Rams and yep. Bills. Mm-hmm. Thursday night football. Let's go and Rams. Okay. okay. Oh, you, well, yeah. Yeah, AFC. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. And then, of course, we know the Ravens will be playing on Sunday. Uh, the Jets. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But we also got uh, a little interesting topic. Uh, another great idea and long line of great ideas that Kerry has come up with uh, for the show. Uh, I think you know people are gonna find it interesting, and then you know we'll probably put that out on Twitter too. Like, let's hear what people think. You know about. You know, I don't want to give it away yet. We'll put it out on Twitter. We'll talk about it first, and then you know we'll put it out there and we'll see what people think. But before we jump into all of that. Uh, just say what's up to the fellas, man. Carrie, Chris, let's start with you. Carrie, how you been? I'm good, man. Glad to be back with you guys. You know, we've been kind of cranking them out lately with the, you know, 53-man um, thing. We had uh, the live stream of the last preseason game. So, you know, we fully back in the swing of things, man, trying to bring the people what they need. We put out episodes like we're getting paid. So I hope people <laughs> – Nothing much, man. It feels like it's been a long road to get here, but it's finally week one. So I'm ready to get into it and actually talk football and not hypotheticals and not this should do that. This guy should do this. It's just straight up film. And that's what we see. And let's talk about it. The real deal, man, is 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 here. Like you said, it's always a buildup. Uh, thankfully, made it through the preseason relatively injury free. You know, a few guys dealing with a couple of things, but for the most part, um, you know, got through the preseason good. Unlike last year, so uh, that's that's amazing, just in and of itself. And, and now, and, like you said, we get to talk real and, football. And got some good news today too, uh, where we saw a report uh, from uh, Jeff. Jeff Zrebeck that uh, Tyus Bowser was uh, doing some work on the practice field too, so yeah, that's, yeah. that's good news, man. It's positive, positive. Yes, Out there moving well, he said, and looks like you know it'll just be a matter of him having to wait, you know, the number of games uh, because they they put him on on a, what's it reserve pup or IR, I can't remember. Um, he's got to wait the four games, but it looks like all accounts he'll be ready to go when 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 that clock is is up. So. That's a good thing, um, and yeah, it's just exciting, man, to have actual football. We like this this time tomorrow night. We will be watching actual real football that counts on our team. Yeah. NFL football. I mean, we already been watching college, which has been amazing already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but NFL football uh, will kick off. So, um, before we get into this topic that uh, that Kerry blessed us with, let's, let's talk about this the Jets a little bit. We do a little bit of a preview, just chat. Um, it's an interesting Jets team to me because I like the pieces that they've got on offense. I mean, it sounds like I think we heard today that Joe Flacco is going to play quarterback. I mean, kind of knew that that's what it was going to be. Sala was kind of going back and forth. Oh, Wilson looks, you know, if he's okay, he might. I was like, he was a couple of weeks ago. This dude was out for like four weeks. <laughs> and so kind of got confirmed today. 
Uh, so that that'll that that's a little storyline in itself, right? The Ravens playing Joe Flacco first time that that's happened uh, since he left the Ravens. But you just look at them on offense, and I guess defense too. But you start on offense, um, you know about uh, the running backs, you know about Michael Carter, you know about Brees Hall, who they drafted this year, you know about Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, who they drafted this year. They kind of overhauled their tight end room from uh, Ryan Griffin and Trevon Wesco to. Tyler Conklin and CJ Uzama. Um, offensive line, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, Makai Beckton you know, was injured again, so he'll be out. But they signed Dwayne Brown. We'll see what he's got left in the tank. But, you know, he's a guy who's played left tackle for a long time. They brought in Lakin Tomlinson to play guard, solid vet. Elijah Vera Tucker is a guy I like from last year. I think a lot of us kind of liked him coming out of the draft. So you got to help him the other guard spot. Uh, the center McGovern, kind of a mobile dude, and George Fant, you know, he's 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 solid at tackle. So you look at their offense, you're like, okay, they got some pieces there. And then on defense, you know, same thing, you know, taking Sauce Gardner, you know, really early in the draft, you know, about the inside guys. They got Quentin Williams, John Franklin Myers, of course, CJ Mosley, you know, another <laughs> another Ravens connection there. Um, and kind of overhauled their secondary too with DJ Reed coming in from Seattle, Jordan Whitehead. Um, so it's an interesting team. Um, I'll start with you, Chris. What, what kind of sticks out to you, or what are your thoughts just you know about the matchup? Uh, and you, you you missed on two guys. You missed on Jermaine Johnson and Michael Clemens. You know, I'm trying two, to name the, the whole guys. roster. It's hard. <laughs> Man, those, were, those were two dudes who, you know, if, if you listen to us, we, we really like them, uh, two edge rushers coming out of school. So, uh, yeah, those, those are two interesting rookies that they have, but um, on the offensive side, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I think uh, Dwayne Brown, he's going to have to knock off some rust because what's he been with the team like two weeks? Hasn't been long. So, sure. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it, that's for a, a tackle that's older and has to kind of ramp, uh, you know, ramp up. That's that's a tough task to ask him to go play a, a full game, possibly going up against uh, Adafi Owe. So uh, that's probably that's probably a matchup they can exploit a little bit, and uh, I, I know a lot of people drinking the Joe Flacco Kool Aid, but uh, I'm not believing it. I'm I'm not believing it for this game. I believe <laughs> that the Ravens will dominate this game. Um, I think there'll be some flashes here and there where we see some of that magical Joe uh, on, on a few plays, but as far as just because like doing it on a consistent level, if you watch some of the the preseason games. He threw a disgusting pick uh, right at the defender, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's that that looks familiar." So, um, you know, going up against this revamped Ravens defense that's going to have you know ball hawks like Marcus Williams, Marcus Peters. I'm just I, I see the Ra- the the Jets offense having a tough time uh, with with the Ravens defense. And you were right on with Dwayne Brown. They signed him on August the 15th. So he has not been there very long at all. Um, Gary, let me get let me get your thoughts on the matchup. You know, I, I tried to I tried to pump it up. I tried to blow some smoke <laughs> on the chest. <laughs> Chris was not buying it. What do you think about the matchup? <laughs> yeah, they got a couple interesting um kind of uh, dimensions to this team. Uh, you talked about the trenches on both sides. I think they're talented up front on both sides of the ball. 
Uh, on the offensive line, I think the offensive line is solid. Uh, Vera Tucker is a guy that I was a big fan of uh, in that draft class. Um, they're solid all the way across the board there. On the defensive line, uh, you're talking about Jermaine Johnson coming in, but they already had, you know, uh, Myers Franklin, uh, Quinnen Williams. They had uh, Carl Lawson, who missed all the last season with an injury. So he's going to be coming back healthy. So, you know, right up the middle on both sides, man, they have some guys that, um, you know, can do some damage. And, you know, let's call it what it is. This would be an upset if they were able to try to pull this off. But I think a lot of times that that trench play is what could, um, you know, lead to uh, a team making it closer than what the spread may um, may kind of bear out. So I, I think they're interested in there. Another kind of uh, low-key test for this Ravens secondary is we've talked about how they kind of match up or a lot thereof matching up against kind of quicker, shiftier guys uh, in the secondary. Um, you got two that they're probably going to be facing in three wide receiver sets. You got um, Elijah Moore, and with Garrett Wilson kind of being brought along slowly, you got Braxton Berrios there in the slot. And so, you know, Berrios is not a guy that's going to, you know, blow the top off of defense, scare you by any means, um, you know, vertically or anything like that. But these are guys, quick, shifty guys that can get open and, and create separation quickly. So it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of um, kind of hold up to that, how they combat that. Um, but um, overall, this is still a game I expect the um, – the Ravens to win and probably win, you know, pretty handily. Uh, but I do think there's some talent um, on the Jets team. And, you know, they, ha- they have a couple of things that that that, that should make uh, the Ravens uh, afternoon interesting. Yeah, Berrios, man, y'all mentioned some good names in there. Um, Berrios is an interesting dude. I got a chance to watch a couple of the Jets games from last season and then a little bit of the preseason. When you said Carl Lawson, I watched that last preseason game against the Giants. He didn't play much. He played like seven snaps. And I think the Giants had their second team O-line in there anyway. But um, so you got to, you know, factor that in. But Carl Lawson looked like Carl Lawson running through people's chests. (laughs) (laughs) And so even if you factor that in and you say, okay, it's preseason game, he going up against a second team O-line. As Ravens fans, we remember him from when he was with the Bengals. And we've seen him give a healthy Ronnie Stanley. And Ronnie was like in his prime. Give Ronnie some problems. Uh, so, so you know, we know Lawson is a dude. Chris and I talked about Michael Clemens. You know, we we were uh, watching that that other de- defensive lineman at Texas A and M, and this dude Clemens just kept flashing and making plays. <laughs> and you saw that all throughout the preseason. He's just running around, just harassing quarterbacks and making yeah. plays. Jermaine Johnson, y'all both mentioned him. He has some some pressures coming off the edge. So yeah, they're deep, they're defensive line. You know, I feel like, you know, Salah might be trying to recreate a little bit of what they had out there with the 49ers where you just get a bunch of dudes and you just roll these pass rushers through there um, so that you always got fresh guys coming in the game who can get after it. And then, you know, trying to build a secondary um, that, you know, can kind of support that, you know, still kind of a work in progress. And we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think um, – Last I saw, what the Ravens were, were seven point favors. I think at least seven point. Yeah, favors. seven point. Yeah, seven. You 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 know yeah. I've been up on it. 
I I know. I, I <laughs> we're going to have a, a new segment. <laughs> you know, you, you're going to be out there like Warren Sharp. You know, giving, out, giving out your picks against the spread. Change that, that at the Chris, Chris just cashing. <laughs> ATS. <laughs> um, but yeah, so every, everything would point to the Ravens being the favorites in this game, but got to go on the road to New York on 9-11, all of the emotion around that. Um, you know, regardless of how much Joe Flacco try to downplay it, this game got to mean something special to him, you know, to want to win this game. So uh, I think there's, there's a little bit more maybe intrigue to this than, than, than what folks might think. I mean, if you look just on paper, you said, well, this is a four-win team in 2021. What, what are we talking about here? He's a rapist. <laughs> and I understand that. I'm just saying, you know, I guess, you know, it's, that's that's the old, the old like, little league coaching. You always got to find something to, like, hey, look, these guys, man, they can get us today if we ain't. <laughs> you got to find something, I guess. That's probably. Hey, and, and, and for the record, um, last year, I didn't think they were going to have trouble with the Raiders. And Mike said they were. So just take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, with, yeah a very, true. With, a, with a very small grain of salt. <laughs> Even a broken <laughs> clock is right twice a day. Because, uh, you know, I'll find something on anything. I told y'all, my wife's been saying that for years. She was like, you're not a real Ravens fan because you always talk about ways that they can lose. And I'm like, well, I, I want them to win, obviously. But, you know, you look at the film and you're just like, oh, this looks pretty good. And they might be able to do this or they might have trouble with that. Um but yeah, I think we're all, I would say it's fair. I'll correct me if I'm putting words in either one of y'all's mouths, but I think we're, we're confident going into this game. I mean, yeah. It's not one of those things where you're like, yeah, I don't know. I'm confident going into this. I'm, I'm supremely confident. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Supreme, hey, look, man, I hope it's like the last two openers. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, well, not not the last two, not the Raiders game. Scratch that. Uh, 2020 opener and the 2019 opener, yeah, to be, to be clear, that's be, more like it, yeah, yeah. Scratch, I forgot, I've tried to, to erase Raiders game from, from my mind. Uh, I actually just watched that recently and saw the um, the kick at the end of regulation, the Senate regulation, and dude who jumped, who, who false started, and Chuck was like, oh, that's 100% a false start. I mean, it wasn't even close, it's obviously a false start, yeah, and they totally missed it. So, anyway. Uh, obviously, we can't can't rehash going forward. Uh, but looking forward to it, man. Just exciting to finally get to see these guys out on the field because we didn't get to see so many of them in the in the, in the preseason. You know, they, they yeah. didn't play. Yeah. So I, I remember last year we were talking about it, and it just felt like we didn't even get to really watch the real Ravens play because there were so many dudes, just street free agents coming in and, and playing significant time. And it, it just felt like we were robbed of watching the real Ravens. Yeah. Yeah. We really got to see the full strength. You know what I mean? Yeah. This year, it's still, you know, more full strength than last year for sure. Uh, you know, still some pieces, you know, coming along. JK is kind of still working his way back. Um, you know, Ronnie, uh, who, who practiced. At least once, maybe twice this week, right? I know you keep practicing twice. one, yeah, twice, twice, twice this week, and, and you know, lo and behold, he he actually. I mean, I, I thought that this man 
he's been called every 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 name under the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Yet the man comes out and practices. And me and Chris was talking about the other day. We looking on Twitter like I, I don't hear nothing. I don't, I don't see nothing. Ain't nobody saying nothing. How did he's practicing? Right? It was plenty to say when he wasn't practicing, calling him everything but a child God. But now. My, he finally honored his contract. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, we were told all along there was a plan. I mean, the, the coach all but told you, hey, look, there's the medical, the physical part of this and all of that. But when he feels right, he'll be out there. And so we know what last year went like for Ronnie. And who could blame the man if he said, hey, you can take me off a puck. Your doctors can come in here and say I'm clear. That's all good. I ain't stepping on that field <laughs> until I feel right. like until I'm ready feel to step right. out there. Because I did that last year because y'all told me I was good. And look what happened. So, I, look, I, we've talked about this in our, our little DM chat. People can have their opinions. Everybody's entire. I respect that. But I'm not going to question somebody's character somebody's commitment, somebody's toughness. Well, I don't know anything about any of that. So I ain't questioning nope. stuff. Now, now I got a question for you guys. What do, when do you think is the timeline to bring him back? Like if you had to guess what game, what week it would be. Because you got New York week one, you got Miami week two, New England week three, Buffalo week four. Well, speaking for me, I didn't care. I, I, I get your opinion. Um, I'm kind of like, hey, take as much time as you need. If that means up until that week four game, like if he gets in, um, he practiced this week, obviously expecting to continue to practice. And then let's say he, he doesn't go in the Jets game. But, you know, after that, going into week two, he gets another week of practice. And then right around then, I'm thinking maybe that third or fourth week, maybe maybe he need you know a third week, you know, to get. And then you know going into that Buffalo game, you you definitely want to have you know everybody ready to go as much as you possibly can, obviously in that game. So for me, I'd be fine with that if it was just like, hey, you know what, let's let's hold off until that third or fourth game even um, to get you completely right and completely acclimated, um, and that'd be good. Maybe the third game if he if he's ready. Because then you get some actual game reps in before just rolling into Buffalo. Because yeah, you know Buffalo's got some dudes who can get after it too. Um, but that's that's me. What, what about you, Ken? Yeah, I was thinking the same as that thing. Um, maybe that third game because I don't know. I mean, we know a healthy Ronnie is as good as any tackle in the league. But you know, having your first game back going up against Vaughn, and I mean, they can roll out six, seven dudes that can get after it. Um, you know, in the interior and, you know, on the edge. So, you know, I wouldn't necessarily want that to be his first game back. But, you know, maybe that week three and kind of let him kind of get his bearings a little bit and then get ready for that week four game, you know, that big game against Buffalo. Chris, what about you? I'm on the same thing as you guys. I think that week three game is perfect. Um, you know, he'll be going up against somebody he's very familiar with, with Judon, when they, whenever they line up. So, um, yeah, I, I think week three is – that's the time that – I think that's the sweet spot for him. Yeah, I just don't want 
any of these dudes who are coming off of these long-term, you know, significant injuries to to rush back. And I know you hear that word, people say, well, rush, they've been off for this long, you know, they've had all of this time to rehab and get back to practice. But, I mean, it's still, there's, there's like we talk about, there's the physical part of it, right, and then there's the mental and the emotional part of it, right? And I think you hear players talk about that all the time, that that mental, emotional part takes way longer than the physical part. Uh, a lot of times. And so just because a guy has been cleared by team doctors, um, taking off any kind of injury designation list, I, I talked about this on Twitter once. These are not cars, right? Where a car breaks and you swap out the part and you put a new part in and you expect it to work the same way it did before it broke. These are people, you know, with feelings and emotions. And, you know, sometimes guys get hurt. And, and you know, a uh, friend of the show, Denar Melton, he's talked about this before. We, have a really serious injury when you've never been injured before like of any kind and you get a really really serious one it says it can it can take up to a year not just the physical part but the mental part to just get back to trusting that body part and trusting yourself that you're the same player that you used to be um before you 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 know you, in, you suffered that significant injury so that part is just it's hard to quantify you know all this other stuff you hear about well, it's going to take this many weeks and they need to get this many practices in. It's hard to quantify that stuff. So I think people struggle with it because you can't, you can't estimate it, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's part of being human. So, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll, and I think too, what people lose sight of is the rehab of, of it is enough rehabbing an injury, letting the injury heal, working yourself back physically just to even be able to, um, attempt to come back is one thing, but then there is you have to have live practice reps, live game reps. Like you just can't just physically rehab an injury and then just jump back out there and oh, okay, well, I'm gonna come out here and just be the same guy I was. No, like there's a process you have to, um, you can't skip steps in the process. Like there's no way around that. So he has to. Uh, you know, he just started practicing. He has to, you know, stack practice days together. Then he has to get live game reps in. Like, there's a comfort level that he has to get to that I don't think should be rushed, especially considering his uh, experience last year with coming back too quick. Yep, and, and I think just piggybacking off of that, it's um, like it's, I say it all the time, like, there's so many podcasts right now run by former players where you get a peek as to what they go through during these injuries. And the what you said, it made Grant Hill pop into my head. Because Grant Hill said when he came back from his first injury, he wasn't ready. And he tried to rush back. And he had never been hurt before that. And he didn't know his body. He didn't know the process. So the second time around, he tried to take his time and do everything the right way. And then he ended up getting hurt again. And he did everything the right way. And it's like, it's not just you do this, you do this, you do this, boom, you're Adrian Peterson and you're back on the field rushing for 2,000 yards. It's a way more difficult process than that. And I feel like people just don't understand how difficult it is to do something like what, what AP did. That That's not the norm. No. It's 
is pretty effing far from the norm <laughs> when you look at how he came back from that injury. I mean, he was back at the beginning of the next season. I think he got hurt in like week 10 of the previous season. He was back by the start of the next – he had a torn – I think it was torn ACL and torn MCL. And he was back at the start of the next season and ran for two bands. <laughs> this, this, this is nowhere even close to normal. But that's what we do, though. Somebody does something like that, or even if it's not to that extreme, just, you know, whether it's Cam Akers, right? Somebody just comes back at, like, an accelerated time frame. And people are like, well, look, he he did. Well, how come this guy can't? Yep. It's, it, again, it, it, we're not talking about car parts. <laughs> Everybody is different. And, you know, when you talk about – you both talked about guys just returning and getting back to practice. How does your body respond after a practice? You know, you, you, just because you're back, like, okay, he's back practicing, he's good to go now. How Are you going to have setbacks? You know, how does it feel? Do you need to give it some rest days because, you know, you're, you're feeling some kind of pain or you're feeling something after a day or two of practice, you know, so you still can't go, you know, 100% full speed like you used to, kind of still working your way up to that. There's all of these things that factor into that that none of us know. Mm-hmm. What we're sharing is just what we, you know, you guys may you know, suffer some injuries yourself playing sports, but what we hear from players. So it's not like we sitting up here like we got lab coats on, like we doctors or whatever. We're just saying players who've been in the league and have gone through injuries, these are the things that they talk about. And so if anybody's going to know, I'd rather listen to them than a doctor. <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciate the doctor's opinion, but only a player can tell you about what they're feeling and their body and their mindset. You know, can can nobody else speak to that but them? Yep. It's just good to have him back. I was excited to see Ronnie out there, you know, and, and being out at practice and, and working with the guys. So, hey, take take that thing slow. <laughs> you know, Jawan James, you know, looks like a guy who can come in and play left tackle um, at, at a higher level than, than AV did last year. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. Um, but anything else on this game before we get into the, the topic for uh, for this show? Or I guess we don't really got to, you know, super no, supremely confident is what Chris said. Supreme, yes, sir. So I guess we'll just move on in to this next topic. All right. So I've, I've tried to hide it long enough. So uh, what Kerry suggested was that we pick a player on offense and defense in two different categories our most important player on offense and defense, and then a ceiling setter on offense and defense, right? So somebody who, if they perform up to expectation or even exceed expectation, takes this team to an even higher level, right? These first guys that we're going to talk about in the important categories, they do what they do. Um, you know, the team should, should do well. But if these ceiling setters, in addition hit their ceilings, then we're talking about, you know, a whole nother level um, for, the, for the team. So it's Kerry's idea. Going to let Kerry lead. Um, how do you want to do it, man? Do you want to do both, important and ceiling, or do you want to just do one category first and then circle back around? and do? Uh, yeah, we can Yeah, start with the most important and, and then circle back around to um, ceiling setters. Uh, one thing I will say, um, 
I ruled out Lamar from most important because it's just obvious. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> would pick Lamar. <laughs> so it, it is most important outside of Lamar Jackson, you know, for the people out there. Speaking and of Andrews important. and Andrews. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of important, that's right. We, we tried to, to leave out some of the obvious ones that, you know, uh, you know, everybody knows how important they are uh, to the team. So uh, very good point. Uh, that definitely needs to be emphasized before we start this. And I'll have to remember that, you know, we, we do put this out in a poll or just ask people's questions. I guess it won't be a poll because people have to be able to pick their players. If we ask them, make sure that I reemphasize that too. We'll just get a bunch of Lamar Jackson tweets. He's the most important. So uh, let you start, Kerry. Who are your most important players on offense and defense? All right. So on offense, I'm going with uh, Rashad Bateman. Um, for me, he is um, a guy that's going to have to be that second table setter um, in the passing game. You know, you've heard talk about how he'll be used, um, you know, as the backside guy, you know, ISO guy, giving him a chance to win one-on-one, giving him a chance to win from the slot. Um, and, you know, his his upside and everything that he brings to the table is obvious. But He's a guy that if the Ravens are going to play like we anticipate them playing, a lot of 12 personnel, a lot of 13 personnel, it's going to be indicative on him to be that every week threat that can go out there and beat that, uh, you know, that top corner lined up against them. So, um, you know, I, I just think that's it's going to be vitally important um, that, uh, he comes in, he, he builds a uh, rapport with Lamar, um, and he has a solid foundation in the offense, you know, 20-plus percent target share, a uh, guy that you can look at in the red zone, uh, a guy that you can count on uh, on third down, and that can win in a multitude of ways, you know, like I said, from the slot uh, over the middle of the field. But down the field as well, you know, with Hollywood being gone, you you you're losing a downfield threat, and so uh, we saw it a bit last year. Um, towards the end of the year, we saw some back shoulder stuff with him and Lamar. I think that's got to grow, um, and, and you know, just his ability to get downfield and make plays at the catch point. So, um, you, you know, he's he's vitally important for this team on offense. And then on defense, um, I went with Calais Campbell. Um, it's funny I'm going with him because he's also somebody that I think they need to make sure they can manage his snaps, and I think they have the depth to do that. But I think it's going to be important that he is the Calais that we're used to. Uh, you got Bowser, um, you know, working his way back. Uh, you got a Jabo. We don't know when he's going to be back. Um, so those are two guys that you know, you're counting on pass rush from at some point, but we got to get to that point from the beginning of the season till then we need, you know, a guy that's going to be able to give us some consistent push, um, you know, outside of Oway and outside of what Justin Houston brings. And then you got Travis Jones, who's um, coming, working his way back from injury. We expect him to be back sometime within the first couple of weeks, but you know, he, probably won't play you know early on so that's another kind of threat as a pass rusher that we don't have so it's going to be vital that that Calais really brings that that threat as a pass rusher so 
Um, he's my other guy as far as uh, most important on the defensive end. Calais was was an interesting one for me. The the thing that you mentioned about managing his snaps and why I mean, obviously, just not having Travis Jones just because of what he has shown. I was bummed about that, but also I was like, hey, this is the path towards helping manage those snaps for Calais. When you have Matt Abike, when you have Travis Jones, when you have Michael Pierce, when you have these interior guys, then you know maybe you can leverage some of those snaps for Calais a little bit and have him play in kind of higher leverage situations um, and let him do what he still continues to do. I mean, when he's one-on-one, he still wins his, his fair share of one-on-ones. Sometimes even even when he's double-teamed, he wins those. Um, and so I was like, man, I, I hope that he doesn't get bogged down too early in the season playing a heavy snap low. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I don't want to make any assumptions about this rotation and how Mike McDonald is going to use guys because we really don't know. I mean, we saw what we saw in the preseason, but Calais was one of those guys who didn't play. And so there's still a lot of mystery about what they're going to do on defense and, and how they're going to use guys. But I love those two picks, Kerry. I, uh, I don't know that uh, anybody else has had this idea out there. So I just want to, before we, we go any further, uh, just again, give you credit for coming up with this because I've not heard anybody else kind of frame it in the way that we're kind of talking about it tonight. I mean, people talk about important players all the time, but the combination of important and ceiling and how those two things sort of interrelate I don't know that I've heard anybody else kind of come together with that. So, again, just give you your flowers, you know, do like <laughs> give everybody your flowers, you know, now uh, for, for just continuing to come up with great ideas. So, Chris, let me come to you next then. Your uh, two important players, uh, one on offense and one on defense. Uh, so I'm going to start with the, the offensive player first, and uh, that's going to be J.K., uh, J.K. Dobbins. Um, you know, he missed all the last year. And for the whole Arby's don't matter crowd, they did matter for the Ravens. Uh, they did. And a player like J.K., I think people forget just how talented he is as a running back and the kind of physical ability that he brings where we see uh, Devontae Freeman, he'll have like a, a six-yard gain or something like that. But if you give J.K. that same carry, it's probably 20 plus. And I think having him fully healthy in the offense, it changes so many things for them. Uh, it op- it opens up things for the run game. Uh, it, it'll take eyes off of Lamar because Lamar was really the only, the only guy that could attack the perimeters of defense on the ground. The Ravens didn't have any other running back that could do that. And J.K. will be able to help with that tremendously. So having him back, I think that'll just bring the offense to another level where they didn't even have that that option last year. And um, on defense, uh, I'm going to go with uh, – who did I pick? Um, <laughs> you know I'm old. I can't remember these things. <laughs> who did you oh, pick? Oh, no, no, I know who I picked. I picked Patrick Queen. There you go. I picked Patrick Queen. That's who I, I didn't know if I picked him for the, the, the ceiling player or not, but it's Patrick Queen because, you know, this is year three of this thing. And sometimes it looks great, sometimes not so great. And I think this is the year where 
the Ravens can really see, okay, this guy gets it. Like, he's turning the corner. And we usually hear that with 30-year wide receivers. But right now, it feels like this is the tipping point for him, where is he going to ascend to a Pro Bowl-type player? Or is he just going to be another one of these athletic freaks like a like a Alec Ogletree? Where Alec Ogletree's had a nice career. You know, he's been in the league for a long time. But he hasn't quite lived up to that billing that he had when he came out of Georgia. So it's there's two extremes to it. And um, I think it was very telling that the Ravens didn't play him a snap in preseason. To me, what that says, and this is just me interpreting it, I don't have any sources. Um, to me, what that says is he's shown a lot in practice and he showed a hell of a, 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 of improvement because we saw Malik Harrison. He was on the field quite a bit during the preseason. Patrick Queen didn't play one snap. So to me, what I, what I think and what I hope is that he showed them on the practice field just how much improvement there's been. And I think having the guy in the middle of that defense who can take control and and really just be that that enforcer that they've been lacking and, and play at that consistent level, um, I think that'll be huge for this defense because it's, it's been something that they've been missing for a long time now. You know, I want to see it. And, you know, his, his father, you know, he called it. You know, Mr. Queen said, look, the third year has always been the year when Patrick kind of took that next step. Third year at high school, third year at LSU. So he said this is third year to the NFL. He fully expects him to kind of take that next step that we're all looking for. And, you know, I listen to some of the – we all do – the the wired shows that the Ravens media team does. And I love some of those behind-the-scenes clips of Queen – at practice talking to a guy like Mark Andrews and, hey, let me get another rep. Let me get another Mm -hmm. rep with you. And then even after that, even if he didn't win that rep, that one-on-one, and Andrews made the catch, he's asking him, like, hey, what did you see, you know, for me? Or, you know, I played it this way. Could I have played it another way? To me, that shows growth. That shows tremendous growth for a guy who, you know, maybe in the past, not saying Queen specifically, but any young player who might be a little bit more reluctant to do that because of how it might be perceived. Like, you know, I'm out here asking for help. Or I'm, you know, doing this and doing that. No, nah, I mean, you're trying to get better. And yep. Andrews has clearly established himself as one of the top tight ends in the game. Some people say the top tight end in the game, depending on who you ask. Uh, who better to sharpen yourself, you sharpen your skills and, 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 you know, sort of measure yourself against than a guy like that, right? So I love that. I love hearing that. To me, like I said, I just show, I think that shows, I want to say growth because it makes it sound like maybe he, he, wasn't doing that before, and I don't know that. Um, but it was cool just to see, you know, that he was doing that um, and, and and calling calling Andrews out, <laughs> you know, saying he wanted those matchups and one on ones. So uh, I'm I, I gotta acknowledge my Patrick Queen bias. You guys know <laughs> I've been a fan from the jump, and I, I I still believe that all of that talent is there, and uh, I do I do believe that this this is the year. Uh, that we'll see it. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that too. Let's see yeah. for me. Oh, go Mike, ahead. I'm a, yeah, I'm going to jump in real quick on Queen. Uh, just kind of piggyback on um, both of you guys' comments. One thing I love about where I feel like his head is at at this point, every kind of media availability, any kind of clips we've gotten from him, 
it's all just seems so cerebral. It's all about getting better. It's all about like, you know, understanding um, what it is that's required of him. Like, I, I just love the, uh, from the outside looking in, cause you know, obviously we're not there, but from the outside looking in, it just seems like he's in such a great headspace. So from that standpoint, you know, I, I love what the potential could be. And then also, uh, something that Denard has pointed out multiple times, you know, if if this defense is is going to be more zone, um, you know, like we're anticipating, um, it it makes it so the linebacker doesn't have to think quite as much because you know, in zone there's there's not but so many calls, so you know he doesn't have to worry about you know seven eight different responsibilities you know what i mean that you know it's balled down to two or three now and so uh, i think for a guy like him with his kind of talent um i think that would be huge for him because now more of the athletic gifts can kind of just come to the forefront when you don't have to kind of think as much you know you move off instinct and He's going to be able to make plays and get to balls that not a lot of linebackers can do because they just they aren't as physically gifted as him. So when you have that kind of talent and then you, you know, you match it with what seems to be his approach going in, um, you know, I think the sky is the limit for this dude. That's a great point. I mean, I'm, I'm really putting a lot of my, um, you know, basing a lot of my hope and beyond hope, really, it's expectation for him to kind of have the, the kind of year that we're thinking about on him primarily, obviously it starts with him and, and for all the reasons that both of you guys talked about, but also on Mike McDonald and Zach Orr. Because uh, <laughs> quite frankly, yeah, I don't know what the hell Rob Ryan was doing. <laughs> all I know is that those first couple of weeks when it was just him as a linebacker, inside linebacker coach, and they had signed Josh Vines back, Queen and Harrison, both of those dudes were really looking looking confused out there on the field. And then Josh Bynes came in there, and obviously this is my complete speculation. It was almost like, hey, if we can sit through the meetings. He can talk whatever he's talking about, but look, just me and you going to get together. I'm going to get you straight. Yeah. <laughs> and with Josh out there, he calmed down, right? He, he really seemed to settle in. I know they started playing him a little bit more on the weak side, which has kind of been more his natural position going back to college. But he just seemed to settle in a little bit more. And I just I just can't help but want to think that Josh kind of took on that mantle a little bit and said, hey, you know what, I don't know what's going on with these coaches, but I've been in this league a long time. I'm going to get you right. Um, and so now you have Mike McDonald, who was, you know, PQ's position coach. His rookie year, they bring Zach Ory in, who – all the linebackers have talked about, including Josh Ross, who said, hey, look, he's he's done what I'm trying to do. He's been an undrafted guy that's made an all-pro, really about to become a star in this league before his unfortunate incident that ended his, his playing career. And so I think that carries a lot of weight too, right? Coaches are coaches, and there's certain things you can get from coaches, and there's certain things you can only get from other players. Well, he's coaching now, but he ain't that far removed from playing. <laughs> so I think he can give you a little bit of that stuff that you can only get player to player. Uh, I think he can still give you a little bit of that uh, just because of how, you know, close in proximity he is to, to, to not being, you know, too far removed from playing the game. So we went, uh, we went heavy on Patrick Quinn, but I think it's because we all really believe in the talent and, um, you know, want, want, to, want to see him kind of, you know, show that talent, put it on display and 
kind of silence all the naysayers. He he was our inaugural guy with a with our draft show. He was right. the the yeah. guy who kicked it off for That's us. Right. So, you know That's he's right. a friend of the show, even though he doesn't know about the show yet. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you are uh, one of our favorites, PQ. We picked you to go in the first round that year that you were drafted. Some people were were literally shocked uh, that you were the pick. We were not. We were not. We had confidence that you would be the pick. Uh, all the way, so uh, definitely, definitely uh, a friend of the show, and we're a fan of him. Um, so let me see if I can remember my two, because now I've had to think about it a little bit. I remember uh, your offensive ones. Offense was Ronnie Stanley. Um, yeah. So I'll start with Ronnie. We talked about Ronnie, so you know I won't rehash all of the injury situation stuff. But what I will do is something I like to do a lot when I talk about the offensive line is oversimplify and. You can, you can say it's an oversimplification, and it probably is, but I love doing it anyway. When Lamar Jackson has had a competent offensive line, we've seen what he's capable of. And people say, stop going back to 2019. Can't always go back to 2019. I won't go back to 2019. I'll go to 2020, right? Ronnie didn't even play all of 2020. But when he did, and even after he did, and they still had, you know, somewhat decent offensive line play. I'd say 2020 play was probably better than 2021 play, even after Ronnie got hurt. 11-6, and six, made it to the division around of the playoffs. Offense was still seventh in scoring. Lamar ran for another band, passed for almost 3,026 TDs, nine INTs. So I don't even have to go back to 2019. Just give this man a competent offensive line and he will light this league on fire. <laughs> we have seen it time and time again. This is what he does. And so, you know, I know I don't have to tell Chris or Kerry because they talk about the importance of the offensive line to this team all the time. I mean, you guys were preaching it basically the entire offseason, you know, going into the draft season. Like, hey, this is all about the offensive line. This has to be a priority this season. Like, all the other stuff is great, but none of that stuff reaches its potential without the offensive line. And Ronnie Stanley, to me, is kind of like the, the I know Dave Damashek used to call it, a, he did this segment called Jenga pieces, right? Like, you know, you play the game Jenga, you pull out the block, the whole thing falls down. Who's that piece that if you pull it out, the whole thing falls down? Obviously, we know that's Lamar, the quarterback, but we took him you know, out of this for this exercise. To me, on that offensive line, I won't say the whole thing falls down without Ronnie, without Ronnie because I think Juwan James can, can, can give them some confident play. But it gets to a different level with Ronnie in there, right? I've been saying this during the offseason. If, if you get a healthy Ronnie Stanley, if Linderbaum's you know, injury is something he's able to, to manage and, and, and play with this season, <coughs> excuse me, you're a left guard away from this being a very good offensive line. <laughs> That's it. That's it. And I know they still got to figure that out. Um, but having a healthy Ronnie would also help that position. Right when you you've got a guy next to you who plays left tackle at a high level, right, has been a top five type left tackle in this league. Um, that's going to help that guard out too. So that's why he's my most important player on offense, just because I think the offensive line, you know, is going to be solid. I'm expecting, but it, it gets to above average to maybe even very good with a healthy Ronnie Stanley. And on defense, Juice Man, Marcus Peters, my guy. 
Uh, I mean, I think, you know, some of it is obvious. He gets the ball. As he says in his own words, he makes plays that change games, right? He gets the ball. He takes the ball away. And going back to the year that he came into the league, I've not looked at this since I think Ken Cusick did this a couple of years ago. Another friend of our show, Yoshi2052, has done it. I still think he has the most INT since he came into the league of any DB. I think he's still on that pace, even, even with him having missed a season <laughs> last year. Um, so, I mean, that's just critical on defense. You know, they talked about turnovers this entire offseason, right, wanting to get more turnovers, wanting to take the ball away more. Nobody does that more or better um, than Marcus Peters. So that is the direct impact that he has. And then there's the indirect impact that we talk about all the time, even going back to, to Wink when he was a D.C. He says, this guy's a football savant. He is a football genius, <laughs> okay? Yep. We've, we've seen him calling games in the preseason. <laughs> we've seen him on the sideline of games, coaching guys up uh, when, you know, he wasn't healthy enough and wasn't able to play. We've seen him on the field, calling out formations, calling out motions, calling out plays, like doing all of that stuff. And then it's just the swagger, you know? It's just the vibe that he carries himself with, too. So I think when you get all of that back on defense with the players that they already have, again, it just takes what is already a, a good group of players, and it's that it's that that seasoning. You know, you put that seasoning on top of it, just oh man, it's just gonna take this to another level. So <laughs> he's he's my most important player uh, on defense. Um, I guess we cycle back through for ceiling players, right? We back yep. to you, yeah, right, yeah. Back to you for ceiling. All right, so ceiling on offense. I'm calling the audible. <laughs> I had Tyler Lindenbaum in this spot, but the more I thought about it the more it led me somewhere else on the offensive line, and that's Ben Cleveland. Mm. When you think about what this offense wants to do at their core, they want to move people. And of any of the guys that could line up at that left guard spot, there's nobody that has the potential to move people in the way that Cleveland ha- has it, you know, if he hits his high end outcome, he can be a mauling, mauling guard and a perfect fit for this offense. So, you know, when you just kind of factor that in, man, I just think that um, I think Linderbaum is so solid. And I, I, what I loved about Linderbaum is what he can open up in the screen game and some of those things because of just how efficient of a mover he is, but, you know, just coming back to that left guard spot and thinking about the attitude of this team. um, If Cleveland hits, you know, he could, he could low key do some real, real damage as a guy that just, just another attitude piece. You know, you just talked about Marcus Peters attitude, having that, 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 that temperament, having those guys that, you know, you know, you got to battle when you when you line up against this guy, and and, and Cleveland has that that high end outcome. So, uh, Cleveland, you, all, all, okay. Let me jump in before you do your defensive player. Just okay. to say, I love that pick. I absolutely love that pick <laughs> because to me, 
That's the definition of this category. Ceiling. That is the definition of a ceiling player. You talked about Linderbaum. You kind of know what the expectation is for him, and you've heard about other players and can't talk about him. And say, you barely even know the guy's a rookie. I mean, he, even even having missed time with that injury, he comes back in. It's like, man, it's like he ain't missed no time. So they already are kind of treating him like, okay, he's going to be that dude like we expected him to. We just talked about the importance of Rodney. But ceiling player, somebody that can access something that you currently can't access. If Cleveland can be who we all want him to be, then yeah, this this is this is something that takes this offensive line to forget. Well, I'm not gonna say forget 2019. It's historic compared to whatever you <laughs> want to compare it to. If he can be a very good player, I mean, if he can be good, but if he can be very good, then yeah, this offensive line is is doing crazy shit. <laughs> let me just say that. So uh, let me let you get back to your, your hey, real real uh, quick. Uh, Real quick, I know, I know, friend of the show, uh, Jacob Vogel. I know his ears are ringing right now. When you said Van Cleveland, so so shout out to Jake. That's right, go yes, dogs, go dog. Maybe maybe go he'll dog. let me be a dog fan now. He told me right now I can't I can't be one because I don't support them enough. But he might let you be one. Kid. I might still be on. Yeah, we got to check in with him on that. Yeah, you might, you might be in. <laughs> Yeah, so that was my offensive guy. My ceiling guy for defense is Travis Jones. Um, I threw this out, you know, around the time we were kind of reviewing guys after the draft, but um, his relative athletic score of defensive tackles, he was like 48th of like almost 1,400 defensive tackle prospects. We're talking about like, damn near elite defensive tackle prospect as far as athleticism goes. And then you see him in a preseason and he just absolutely overwhelming people. So, you know, we got a glimpse of, you know, a guy that can just be like an absolute game record, like, you know, stuff that we've been like sitting, hoping and praying for that interior pass rush, that guy that, um, just blows up game plans, and he has the potential to be that. You know, it's unfortunate that he got the um, injury, but he should be back in short order. Uh, but again, we talk about all these different things with scheme and, um, you know, moving guys around, you know, deception, sending four, sending five, but you don't know where the five is coming from. Man, forget all that. If you got a guy like him in the middle of a defense and just say, hey, we snap the ball, just destroy the guy in front of you. You, you know, not not a lot of teams have that. You know, you look at Tennessee with a Jeffrey Simmons, or KC with a Chris Jones, you know. They're, they're, they're few and far between the guys that, that you can just line up and say, hey, just go out there and just destroy the guy in front of you. And Travis Jones looks like one of those guys that might be able to to do that. His high-end outcome looks like potential game record on the inside, and we know like how much leeway that gives a defense when you can just line a guy up like that. And I don't have to, you know, use smoke and mirrors. I don't have to do a bunch of stuff. Hey, I can just, I can just send four, drop seven in coverage, and hey, you know you're not going to have a lot of time because this guy is coming right up the middle um, and, and disrupting things. So 
um, you know, his, his ceiling is is immense. So, I, you know, it, when I kind of went through my list and I was going through guys, like his name just kind of stood up for me because, you know, we've been wanting that that real legit interior pressure, and we might have that with, with Travis Jones. He might have went to Connecticut, but Wink would have said he go to FSU. <laughs> half stuff up university because that, that is what he showed in, in his, in his college film and what he showed in the preseason like you, yeah. you said it I mean just the guy in front of you just go destroy that dude just dominate that dude and that's that's what he did in the preseason and you know that's what we're hoping when he gets back you know he can continue to do um, in the regular season game so love both of those picks uh, and just full disclosure Jake won't like this part I'm not the biggest big Cleveland fan. <laughs> I have not been, and I don't want to, you know, you know, I don't want people saying, "Oh, this guy said he loved Kerry's pick. He loves as the ceiling pick. He, he, you know, he's fake. He ain't never really like being Cleveland." No, I'm gonna be honest. I've not been the biggest Cleveland fan, but for the purpose of this category, which is about ceiling, right. I love that pick. So, just full disclosure, so you know, nobody come at me saying I'm being fake. All right, Chris, who are your ceiling players? <laughs> Uh, so I'm, I'm going to start off on offense, and uh, I'm going to go with uh, Devin DuVernay. Uh, he's a guy, you know, we haven't really heard much about him. He's kind of been the forgotten guy. You know, a lot of talk about James Prochet. Uh, but Devin DuVernay, uh, wide receiver, going into year three, uh, coming off of a Pro Bowl, which I know it was as a returner, not as a receiver. But that, that gives you a little bit of boost. You're like, uh, I'm the best in the league at something. Like, as something good so that gives you some confidence and uh it's it's kind of like nobody's really counting on him to to step in and be the number two guy nobody's really counting on him to really take a significant snap like like have a significant impact on the offense and you know up to this point we can't really blame people for that because there hasn't been a huge impact that his usage hasn't really been what you would have liked to have seen it his output hasn't been that hasn't lived up to you know the excitement that john harbaugh had on draft day when they they <laughs> took him and we see harbaugh going crazy in his living room so we all had high expectations for him but i think this year it's it's like the perfect storm for him to be able to take that next step Offensive line should be better. Therefore, Lamar should be better. The passing game should be better. You're going to have Bateman. You're going to have Mark Andrews. You should have healthy running backs. There's not going to be a lot of a lot of eyeballs on on Duvernay. In order, like defensive coordinators aren't going to be like we have to stop that guy. Duvernay is going to be that guy. Is all right, if Duvernay beats us, hey, all right, we'll take that over Lamar beating us or, or over Bateman beating us or over Andrews beating us. So right now it's there for him. And now it's it's not just him. Greg Roman has to utilize him as well, which we know we know all too well. So if Greg Roman can utilize him I, and, and, you know, really – and then he can stay healthy because he hasn't really been he- healthy this training camp. So if he can do that and – be a solid third, fourth option. 
you know, I, I think this this offense could be scary with him if he can realize that potential and, and be that dude who we thought he could be coming out of Texas. And then uh, for the defensive guy, I'm going to do what Kerry did. I'm going to call an audible. audible. I'm going to call an audible. I'm going to go with Jack, just, uh, Justin Matabike. Uh, Matabike's been that guy. Uh, his downs haven't been as down as Patrick Queen, but those flashes have been there where you see them go off in the game and you're like, whoa, what was that? Like, that's some superstar type ability that he shows. And there, there was a play last year against, uh, I think, the Chiefs where he just, I like, the lean that he had, it didn't even look real. Like, it looked like a Michael Jackson lean. The way that he was, <laughs> yeah, like it was just, it was absurd. And it's like this dude weighs th- close to three hundred pounds. Like no way, no way this dude does that. So, but I do think the the change in scheme will help him out a lot. Um, I know we've talked about this on the show where pass rushers they kind of want to, and I we I think we talked about it on the edge, but uh, where pass rushers they kind of have to get into that groove to set up moves and, and set uh, offensive linemen up for later on in the game. And I, I don't know if it was you, Mike, or somebody else who said it, but where Justin Matabike kind of looked like he was getting into a groove and then they mm. would take him out and then put mm. him back in and he kind of had to fall into that groove again. And I think with Mike McDonald and this attacking style that he has, of his defensive lineman being able to attack more instead of just stay in their gaps and be disciplined, which obviously that doesn't go out the window, but there's more of an emphasis on getting to the quarterback, playing upfield rather than containing uh, your responsibility. So I think with him, the handcuffs should be off, and now it's time to feast and and let's see what what Matabike can do. Yeah, that's a great point about his scheme because I think what he showed at Michigan, and we saw a little bit of it in preseason as well too, is – he seems to like guys who can go get it. He's going to let you go get it, right. Mm-hmm. And then there might be yeah. one guy or two guys who say, "Okay, you're going to make them right." Okay, we're going to give them a two way go. They can win however they need to win. That was that was the Isaiah Mack thing. I kept telling Denard about. I was like, "This dude, I don't know if he's gap sound or <laughs> he's winning inside. He's winning outside. I don't even know if he's supposed to be doing some of this stuff." Mack had a three way go. You might have had <laughs> you might have had Earl Thomas. You might have you might have had Earl Thomas. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But but Denar was like, no, I think that's by design. He was like, I think that he gives certain guys um in certain packages on certain downs. Look, you go get it however you can get it. And these other two guys are gonna make you right, right? If you go inside. They'll go. They'll pop outside, and they'll 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 kind of take over that contained responsibility in case the quarterback leaks out. If you go outside, uh, and the quarterback tries to come up through, you know, an A gap or B gap, they'll sit there and they'll kind of make that right too. So, I think that that's a beautiful thing when you've got guys who can go get it, and they've got guys in my BK. We talked about Travis Jones. We talked about Calais Campbell. Um, you know, we can even mention some of the edge guys. I'm, I'm going to talk about one of them in a minute. Uh, I think that's going to be perfect for these guys in a lot of ways. And I expect a lot of these guys to have really good seasons, um, obviously because of who they are. But I think the system will will help them kind of really uh, reach their potential. 
So my ceiling guy on offense, um, this one kind of fell into my lap. I was lucky you guys didn't think this one. And we were like, oh, Isaiah Likely. We got to talk about Isaiah Likely. I don't think any of us had actually had him. I know I didn't at first. And it was like, oh, I mean, come on. We, we, we'd be sued for malpractice if we didn't, if we didn't talk about <laughs> Isaiah Likely. I mean, he's just been like the definition of like a like drum beat, right? People talk about drum beats when guys get drafted and all right, we see we hear some positive stuff in OTAs, non-contact practices. Then we get into camp and we continue to hear it. Okay, they're still making plays, they're still showing up. We get into the preseason, okay, they're still doing it, they're still showing up. Uh he just had that steady drum beat all throughout the process. I mean, even if you go back and you watch him at Coastal Carolina, he was doing the same stuff doing the same stuff at Coastal Carolina. To me, that's something that always catches my eye. And I could probably go back even further to older players, but it was like with Lamar. He was he was making people look silly in high school, making people look silly in college. I was like, there's no way he's going to come to the NFL and make these dudes look silly too. If anybody can do it, it's him. But he ain't just the NFL. He ain't going to make these dudes look silly. He made these dudes look silly. <laughs> so when when a player does something on each level, where it's like, man, they're they're, they're doing this right. All right, that's, that's that's impressive. They can't do that on the next level. It must be a competition thing. Then they do it on the next level, and then they do it on the next level. You got to buy in at some point. You got to believe what your eyes are seeing at some point, and say, okay, maybe he's just that dude. And with Isaiah Likely. You know, I, look, I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm drinking all of the Kool-Aid. Um, yeah, there's going to be some ups and downs because he's a rookie, and rookies are going to make mistakes and, and go through the growing, uh, you know, process that all rookies go through. But if he continues to make the kind of plays, even if there's some inconsistency, if he, if, if there's, you know, some plays where, oh, you know, a little bit of a down play here, but then we see some of the big plays that we've seen in practice and in, in the preseason games, again, to me, just a perfect guy to fit this ceiling category because you're going to be able to access things in the offense that you couldn't before because you didn't have another person opposite Mark Andrews um, who could open things up that way, not only for him, but open things up for the wide receivers. I mean, look, teams already double Mark Andrews because of what he's established himself as as a player. Whether it's a straight-up double team, whether it's a bracket, however it is, the game plan for Mark Andrews, right? So when you do that, that means somebody's getting one-on-one. Maybe multiple people are getting one-on-ones, right? So does that mean Bateman gets more one-on-ones? It's possible, right? If you've got to deal with Andrews and now you've got to deal with this dude likely, or if you say, hey, we're going to continue to double Andrews and we'll take our chances with this rookie. All right, that's fine. One-on-one and he'll just eat up. You know, it, it'll be <laughs> it'll, it'll be uh, – T. Martin and uh, Keith Williams on the sidelines screaming barbecue chicken because that's what it's going to be <laughs> when you line these dudes up next to Isaiah Likely if he continues to play the way that he's played. So, you know, he he just gives them something that – I mean, people talk about, you know, when they had Hayden Hurst in Mark – this is not even – this is a different level, right? Hayden Hurst wasn't doing none of this, okay? <laughs> All this after the catch stuff. We, we didn't see none of that. I shouldn't say none. Not at this level. It's a different level with Isaiah Likely. So just the fact that he can bring that yak game, that's another big thing for them that I think this offense has kind of been missing um, for a while now. It's just more yak 
you know, JK is another one of those kind of guys you talked about that, Chris, a guy who can take something little and turn it into something big, you know, so those yak guys, um, you know, I think Duvernay has the potential to be a yak guy too, you know, Bateman. And so that just adds another layer um, to your offense because things that are just kind of your standard running a meal play, though, maybe it's a five or six yard play and they turn it into a 20, 30, 40 yard, you know, or a touchdown. That's, you know, it's hard to score in this league. And if you got to go the long, hard way and first down after first down after first down, it is a slog. You got guys who can, you know, create after the catch or after the handoff and turn something small into something big. That's just going to be that much better for your offense. So that's my offensive ceiling guy. Defense, I think it's in Owe. Yeah, Adave Owe is going to be my guy there. We've talked about pass rushers quite a bit here. I think, you know, there's a lot of buzz on him. There's been a lot of positive stuff about the camp that he's had. Uh, You know, he played a little bit in the preseason, a few snaps here and there. Uh, But even in those limited snaps, I saw what I was hoping to see, and I hope that it continues into the regular season, which is can't be blocked (laughs) one-on-one. That's what I want to see from him consistently. You cannot block me one-on-one. If you try to block me one-on-one, I'm going to affect the quarterback, right, one one way or another. I'm going to hit him. I'm going to make him move, make him get the ball out before he's ready to get the ball out. Whatever that outcome may be, if you try to block me one-on-one, it's going to be problems for your quarterback. And that's that's really kind of what my expectation is for him. And I think when you when you have a guy, when you have just one guy who can do that, let alone if you've got multiple guys on defense, if you've got one guy who can do that consistently, then that helps your entire defense, not just the defensive line. It helps the secondary it helps the linebackers, somebody who can consistently win one-on-ones and generate pressure in the passing game and make plays in the running game. We saw him do that in college. I mean, that's what he came in with. You know, we all kind of talked about that. We are like, look, he's already got that floor as being a good run defender. Um, so I don't think that that goes away. If anything, I think that gets better. He talked about really strengthening his uh, lower half, you know, his lower body to be able to set that edge and hold up against tackles that are kind of trying to wash him out of there or, tight ends coming over and kind of chip him and knock him out of there. Um, so I think he's still going to have that floor and maybe even raise it a little bit. But if he can become that consistent one-on-one winner in pass rush situations, it's just going to make this defense that much better because that ball's coming out or people are making mistakes or people are running around and the ball's loose and they get their hands on it. It's just going to create havoc. And he made those plays early last season. I mean, you can watch those first couple of games early last season. You know, the Raiders game, down late, even though the Raiders didn't win that game, he had a pressure where Carr threw a ball off of Willie Sneed's hand and it got picked off by Anthony Avery down in their end zone. Um, of course, he had the Chiefs game. We all know about that play where he got the forced fumble at the end and basically sealed that game. One other play where he – oh, the Colts game, um, where people said it was a false start. He just got a great jump. <laughs> and he got around the left tackle. Sack, uh, on um, – Man, what's the quarterback's name? He plays for Washington now. I can't remember his name. Uh, Carson Wentz. So he was making those kinds of game-changing plays um, early in the season, and then it kind of tailed off a little bit as the season went on. I think he got dinged up a little bit and started having the shoulder issue. So it was, it's there. It's all in there. And, you know, now if it's just a matter of, hey, coming into year two, I know better. I know more. Uh, I've seen more. I've got more reps. You know, I've, I've got a year of NFL conditioning and strength training. He had to go through all of the 
uh, rookie stuff. You really don't get it all season as a rookie because you're doing all draft prep stuff and then you go right into, to, um, you know, an NFL uh, all season. So that's my guy on defense. Um, I think we picked some really good players, if I do say so myself. Uh, <laughs> 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 on Twitter, too, to get, you know, people's uh, thoughts and, and hear who their players might be, if they agree, disagree, have different players. Um, any kind of closing thoughts on this one uh, for you guys before we wrap it up? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there on likely because likely I feel like was the CMC of the ceiling picks. So I tried mm. to be diplomatic and, <laughs> <laughs> and not take them. But <laughs> what, what likely what I'll say is from the very first game, this Jets game, at some point, the Ravens are going to come out in either 12 or 13 or probably both with him in the game. And he's going to force the defensive coordinator to make a decision from a personnel standpoint. And to me, when you have a player that can affect the game in that way, and you draft him in the mid-round, that's a win in itself. Because you're going to have to come out and you're going to have to make a decision uh, because he's a guy that, yeah, he has all these gifts, um, you know, athletically and just how fluid he is. But, like, he gets after it in the ring game. Like, he's a physical dude. So it's not like you can just say, um, you know, we want to protect against um, him versus a linebacker, so we're going to stick, stick the slot corner on him. Well, you know, they, they're just going to run it and he's just going to demolish that slot corner because he's, he's that physical. So, you know, it's going to be real interesting to see how they leverage that and just what kind of decisions get made. Because honestly, a lot of these defensive coordinators are probably going to make the wrong decisions early on with him. And so he's going to be taking advantage of that. And I, I'm, I'm curious to see, um, as the season goes along early in the season, um, what the initial decision the defense makes as far as how they want to defend him and then how that progresses um, as the season goes on based on, um, you know, what the Ravens do to, to kind of counter that. So it, it, it's just I'm very, very excited for him, you know, maybe more than a lot of the other things, you know, the, the wrinkles on defense that we, um, you know, we're waiting to kind of see um, is one thing, um, but likely one of those things, how he's used and how defensive coordinators kind of adjust to him and those 12 and 13 um, personnel senses to me is just going to be uh, so fascinating. You're right. Early on, people are going to sleep. Coordinators are going to sleep because he's a rookie and they're going to be selling them, them chicken platters. And guys are going to be getting cooked up because <laughs> they're going to try to guard him with a linebacker. Because, I mean, that's probably where I would start as a defensive coordinator, understanding who the Ravens are and what I think they want to do and who they want to be on offense. I'm probably going to try to match him in, in base, you know, if they come out in 12, because I think they want to run the ball. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to come out, you know, with linebackers, I'm going to try to match up this way, so you know we can we can still be you know stout against the run, and then you know if they go play action, if they do a little bit more of the RPO stuff, um, he's going to cook people, 
that's just facts. So <laughs> like you said, just being able to force those kinds of decisions, that's an advantage in and of itself, yeah. right? Where you got to say, hey, we wanted to come in and play this one way in game. We got to toss that out because we can't cover this dude. Um, and, and now you got to kind of adjust on the fly. And, you know, that second plan, that reactionary plan, it's probably not as good as the plan that you worked on all week. <laughs> right? To try to I mean, maybe right. it works out, but it's probably not going to be as good as the thing that you really kind of worked on and prepare for. And so teams will have to shift and then it'll kind of go back the other way. And like you said, hey, look, don't don't get it twisted. What you saw in the preseason, if you got concerns about him blocking, that's technique. That ain't about one. Right. Yeah, we just, saw him kick yeah. dudes out of the club in Coastal Carolina <laughs> in the run game. <laughs> so do not get it twisted. The man can block. It's all about technique, and, you know, he'll figure that out. We, we've seen this move. We've been through this with Mark Andrews, and now Mark Andrews has become one of the better sort of second-level blockers, right? He, he's not necessarily going to lock up with a DN on the line of scrimmage. That ain't really his thing. But get him on the second level against a linebacker and, and, and God forbid, a DB. And, you know, he'll, he'll work those dudes. And I think, you know, likely, probably, in my opinion, can get there even faster than Andrews did. Yeah. In the run game, yeah. I think he can. But, Chris, let me any, – any kind of final thoughts from you? Just beat the hell out of the Jets. Because <laughs> you know I, I'm here. I'm here in New York. I got some Jet oh, yeah. fans uh, that are that are my friends. So just beat the hell out of the Jets. Um, Joe Flacco, thank you for the Super Bowl, but it's over for you. They're not talking to you, are they? They realize what they was about to happen, right? <laughs> no, they're, they're not confident at all. Like <laughs> they're not confident. But uh, you know, I want to keep it that way. <laughs> I want to keep it that way. So uh, <laughs> that's right. I want to handle that L to start off the season, yeah. and then you know whatever happens after that, uh, you know, unless they they start to become like a factor in the AFC, you know, hey, I wish them well, but they yeah. they got to catch this L, um, game one, and and hopefully a resounding like a butt kicking is what I'm yep. looking for. So. Um, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and land this plane. Uh, appreciate everybody for tapping in. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, you know, in all the places that you share this stuff. And, hey, like it, Carrie said it, man. I mean, we've been turning these things out regularly. That's that's the goal every That's the goal every year. I want to make it sound like this is a new goal. It's the goal every year. But, you know, life happens, and we all got families and kids, and we deal with what we got to deal with. But we're going to try it. We're going to try. <laughs> we, we, we definitely yes, going to try to crank these things out with regularity this year uh, because I think, you know, we enjoy talking to each other. And I feel like, you know, the people that rock with us, um, you know, really, you know, appreciate what we do and look forward to us putting out stuff. And, and you know, we want to do that. We, we want to get back to those people that, that rock with us. So uh, that's the goal for this year. Until next time, y'all be good out there. Uh, and you know, we'll be back at you probably. Hope not, pro no, 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 not probably, definitely after a Ravens win, uh, over the Jets this Sunday. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll probably do a little recap show on that, yeah. and, you know, preview for the uh, the, the week two opponent, too. So, y'all be good out there. Uh, take care of each other.